blessing is the goal. Faith receives the blessing, and the king earns the blessing. Let's explore what the book of Moses says about the coming king on The Bible Brief. Tell a friend about The Bible Brief today. Your recommendation is the motivation your friend needs to learn the Bible in a new way. Tap share on your podcast player and send them your favorite episode. The book of Moses is the chair on which the rest of the Bible sits. These five books within the book of Moses are all related by common themes and a common narrative setting up the rest of the events of the Bible story. And this Bible story isn't just for entertainment. It has a purpose. It's to tell us what went wrong in the world, why we do evil things, why we have a yearning for something more. It's a story that diagnoses our problem of sin and corruption, points to a future blessing upon the whole world, and tells of a king who is coming to achieve the blessing on behalf of those he loves. And all those themes begin here in the book of Moses. We've explored the blessing that was originally upon the whole creation, a blessing given by God to all creation causing fruitfulness, abundance, and success, a blessing that was lost as Adam and Eve disobeyed God's mandate to conquer and rule over the land. Instead of ruling, they were ruled over by one of the animals that should have been under their human authority. The humans disobeyed God's prohibition in eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And with that, the blessing was lost. The blessed state was marred with the curse of sin and the corruption of the humans. Yet we eventually saw an example of how that blessing could be experienced anew. It could be experienced through perfect obedience to the law of God. Perfect obedience allows that blessing to flow again to humanity. Perfect obedience is the key. The problem is that humans can't perfectly obey on our own. The corruption inherited from Adam and Eve caused an inevitability to our disobedience and sin. No matter how hard we might try, we can't escape the sin in each of us, and so we disobey God. Perfect obedience is unattainable for corrupt humanity, and so the blessing of the garden remains out of reach. However, in the life of Abraham, we came to see that perfect obedience is possible, but in an unexpected way. Obedience isn't accomplished through effort toward an external set of written rules. Instead, obedience is accomplished through a change of heart done by God himself. A change of heart that comes from God as a response to our faith. We have faith and God responds with a circumcised heart. His law becomes something internal to the heart and he empowers a new kind of obedience that can't be achieved through mere external written rules. Further, despite our human imperfection even in our faith, he grants his perfect righteousness to the faithful. As we learned from Genesis 15:6, Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. Faith, it turns out, is the key to righteousness and the key to obedience to God's law. But there's one remaining theme in the book of Moses that we must consider before we move on in the story. We must consider what will bring about the ultimate blessing for those with faith. Remember, Abraham was a man of faith, 
who was counted righteous by God. But that didn't mean he experienced the blessings of the garden immediately. There was still something God had to do first. He had to get rid of everything else in the way of blessing to the world. Abraham didn't receive the promises or the ultimate blessing in his earthly life. But he did look forward to a day in the future when that blessing would be regained. Because Abraham looked forward to a king. Remember, Abraham was a part of a particular genealogical line of people, starting with that very first couple. And the special quality of this family line was a promise. A promise that we first heard after that first sin in the Garden of Eden. A promise in the midst of God cursing the serpent who had deceived Eve into sinning. God cursed the serpent with these words. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall crush your head, and you shall crush his heel. This promise was one for the ages. God had said that the serpent's offspring and the woman's offspring would be in a long-term war, but that eventually a male descendant of the woman would crush the serpent while being crushed in the heel himself. This descendant would defeat the serpent, but it would cost him his life. It was this promise of the seed that was passed on for generations past the garden. Through Eve's son Seth, through Enoch, through Noah, through Shem, and later to Abraham himself. And for Abraham's faith and obedience toward God, Yahweh expands the promise. He says to Abraham, Your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. This seed who would crush the serpent would also be a kingly warrior who would defeat his enemies and bless all the nations of the world. He would be a serpent crusher and an enemy defeater and the one who returns the world to the blessing of the garden. Abraham got the biggest glimpse so far of the coming king. But it would be Abraham's great-grandson who would hear more details about this seed of the woman and seed of Abraham. His great-grandson Judah is blessed by his father just before his death, and in this blessing we hear even more about the coming king. The blessing includes these words, describing the end of days for the tribe of Judah. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. We see that this king, represented by the ruling scepter, will come from the tribe of Judah. We see repetition of the promise to Abraham that this king will defeat his enemies, and that when he arrives on the scene, the nations will be obedient to him. He will be king over Israel, but he will have the obedience of the whole world. Note that as the genealogy of this coming king narrows, the promises and the scope continue to expand. By the time we get to Judah in the narrative, the king will defeat the serpent, defeat his enemies, bless the whole world, be king over Israel, and rule the whole world. Quite a lot of detail in just the first volume of the book of Moses. Soon, however, we see the Israelite nation's miraculous exit from Egypt and we see Moses' leadership of the nation through the wilderness and to the edge of the land of Canaan. It's there in the area of Moab, just outside of Canaan, 
that we see something peculiar that tells us even more about this coming king over Israel. Balaam, the pagan prophet for hire, is given these amazing words by God himself. He speaks of Israel's future king and says, His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt and is for him like the horns of a wild ox. He shall eat up the nations, his adversaries, and shall break their bones in pieces and pierce them through with his arrows. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. Edom shall be dispossessed. Seir also his enemies shall be dispossessed. Israel is doing valiantly. And one from Jacob shall exercise dominion and destroy the survivors of cities. Through Balaam, God provides a picture for us of this future king, a king who will absolutely devastate his enemies. In a subtle callback to the first promise of the seed, God even says that the king will crush the forehead of Moab, showing that the serpent's seed are those enemies of this future king. This king will be associated with a star. He will at some point be brought by God out of Egypt, and he will have an exalted kingdom over all the other nations of the earth. Before we have left the book of Moses, expectation mounts for this king, one who will finally defeat the evil rampant in the world since the garden, one who will finally put down the adversaries of God and the deceivers of man, one who will rule the world with God's approval. It's no wonder that this king is in some ways pictured as a new sort of Adam. He will have the mandate that Adam had, but where Adam failed, this king will succeed. This king will conquer the land. He will rule over its inhabitants, and he will be blessed. The book of Moses lays a foundation that can't be forgotten as we move forward in the Bible story. As we remember this chair that the Bible sits on, we need to remember the people, places, and events in the right order without missing any key points. But in all this, we especially need to recall three big themes from this five-volume book. Blessing is the goal of the book of Moses. The bookends of Genesis and Deuteronomy emphasize that to be blessed in the land is the ideal state for humanity. Yet this blessing requires total obedience to God, obedience that neither Adam satisfied nor would the nation of Israel satisfy in the land. Yet that obedience can be satisfied. It can be satisfied by faith, because through faith, God does heart surgery to write His law on the hearts of people. Hearts that can be obedient to God as they live with God's perfect righteousness applied to them. Faith is the key to righteousness and to obedience. Faith opens the door to blessing. Now, since blessing is the goal and faith is the means of receiving the blessing, there's only one more missing piece. The achievement of blessing through the vanquishing of evil, sin, and death. We need a warrior king for that, one who we hear about at the very beginning of the book who's anticipated throughout. A warrior king who will conquer his enemies, who will rule the world, and who will bless all the nations of the world. The hopeful message of the book of Genesis is nothing less than this. Blessing is coming. It's coming with the king. And as you wait for the king, have faith in God and in his promises. Time may pass. Generations may pass away. 
Israel may be exiled from the land. Hope will seem lost. But don't lose heart. The king is coming. Join us next time as we prepare to enter a new era in the Bible story. An era in the land of Canaan. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.